Good Monday morning, guys. Jerry Miller on Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us on a gorgeous Monday in downtown Charlottesville. Our audience anywhere you get your social media. This show is dynamic and interactive and encourages you, the viewer and listener, to offer perspective and shape the conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Keith Smith, after a brief hiatus, is back in the saddle, fresh from the West Coast, fresh from pedaling his bike hundreds of miles, and more importantly, fresh from moving his daughter, his granddaughter, and son-in-law from Seattle to Richmond, Virginia, their new home, and potentially a new branch of Yes Realty Partners opening oh, I don't in think Richmond, it's potential. Virginia. Oh, it's happening. It's, it's happening. happening. Uh, Judah Wickhauer is the director. I got told it was happening. <laughs> I, I, well, why don't we start there? Let's welcome Keith Smith, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. Doing great. I miss you. I miss sitting here in this chair. As we said in the, in the hot mics end of it, I'm, I'm not sure what's more exhausting, 205 miles on a bike or watching a toddler and a, a seventh-month-old. But like you said, the great news is, is I've got we've got the family back on the East Coast, so everybody's on the East Coast, and we can start seeing grandbabies and and daughters, and I, I don't know, maybe six months from now I might be singing a different tune, <laughs> but at the moment I'm super excited about it. Uh, I already, our our youngest daughter is a planner, have no idea where she got that from. Have no idea where she got that She's from. She's a planner. She's a planner. And I literally got on my calendar dates and times I'm su- we're supposed to be babysitting. So we'll see how, we'll see how that see how that goes but i'm excited to be back in the seat man i miss you same miss miss sitting across from you miss thank you for the folks that filled in for me the list is is distinguished and long so thank you very much for for doing that and uh, i got an idea so viewers and listeners and i'll highlight this on our other programs including the i love siebel show at 12 30 i am out of town at the beach friday july 28th until sunday august 6th Taking about 10 days with the family where we're going to enjoy some R&R um, on, the, uh, on the East Coast on a beach that we're very much looking forward to enjoying. You should welcome your daughter to the show during that yeah, time. Yeah, I've tried to, work, I tried to work that in there, but I, I got told very clearly we're moving in. I went, got it. Understood. <laughs> Understood. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm trying to do that. We're, yeah, because I know she's going to be part of Yes Realty Partners. She's, she's part of that. We've had the discussion about coming once a month, but, you know, I, I, I look, Jerry. 30, Hello, Ray Cadell. 30, hey, Ray. 37 years of living with females have taught me one thing sometimes it's best just to keep your mouth shut and let these things kind of work themselves organically organically work themselves out you drop a little bit of seed because i've learned the more i push it the more they'll push they'll they'll push back so she said yes we'd love to have you we're gonna we're gonna give her some yvonne anytime you want on the program ray cadell hello travis hackworth and danville hello yeah, Travis, I think, is still on vacation, or did he, uh, he may be back. But Travis, was, are you back? He was doing some great pictures, I think, down in South Carolina somewhere. It was great to watch his family. And, Travis, I, uh, 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 I, I need a little bit of a break from my 205 miles. Um, for those who have never done that before, sitting on a seat for 12 hours um, can create some issues. In the seating area, looks like you got a sore ass over there. A little bit of a sore ass, um, and uh, I need a little bit of a break. But I, I do have a plan to go out there and and ride a couple of hundred, actually a hundred miler out in Danville. I've got a map, course mapped out, so we'll connect and 
He can show me some of the awesome stuff out there. But you know what? Today, um, Chris just... Fairchild, what's up, buddy? Hey, Chris, how's it going? Brent Lillard, Bellamy Brown, hello. Jamie Turner, Woody Fincham, Jason Howard, hello. I am trying to sweet talk Chris Fairchild because he and I used to run marathons together to buy a bike and go and do it. But I think maybe I just I intimidate him a little bit. This is my ability. This is my way of, of, of coaxing him to go ahead and, and do it. I may be just in, intimidating Chris Fairchild in my awesomeness and my in my biking shorts and, and stuff. Chris Fairchild made it very clear on the I Love Seville show that he's not against housing. He just has not seen a project presented to him that is uh, worthy of a special use permit or a rezoning. He's not opposed to buy-right housing and new rooftops that come by-right, but Chris yeah, has made the, it... The downside to that is um, buy-rights will only put ho- more housing in the rural area, and, and not so sure that's what folks necessarily necessarily want. But, you know, uh, we, we're on two different sides yes, of the fence on that. Yes, you are. Um, but I love him dearly, and we, we have open debates. He lit- I literally called him when I was out in Seattle and had this debate on the phone and, and a debate on having a riding a race with me, trying to get out there on the bike so we could debate this stuff while we're cycling. Uh, I love him dearly, and I love my debates, my debates with him. But Chris Fairchild, Slovenia County Board of Supervisor. We're on two different sides of that, that, that coin. But it'd be really interesting to see how the next, uh, 12 to 48 months in Fulvana County goes with the taxes and the budgets. I think that'll be the real where the rubber meets the road and find out, you know, if everything is really sitting on top of rooftops and we don't get the, we don't get the, the, the economic growth from other sectors. Uh, it's going to be interesting on how much, because I'm actually trying to, I have nothing planned today, so we're just, we're just seeing what the feed throws at us. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty hard to buy something in Lake Monticello that doesn't have a three in front of it, or Fulvana County for that matter. Johnny Ornalis says, good morning, gentlemen. Says morning, your haircut John. is looking sharp there, Keith. Oh, did he really say that? Well, I mean, he said good morning. <laughs> I try to make everybody feel comfortable on the show. Yeah, Johnny, that's an interesting story. I needed you with me on that one. I rolled into a barber out there and realized that it was a Latino barber and i didn't speak spanish and they didn't speak english uh but we sat there and had a good time uh he offered me a little sip or something i think it was tequila nice i uh, hope you took it of course i did good. i would never that would be offensive not to uh take that he it offered me a, a sip of something made me feel comfortable and i just sat there and he did his work and he did a great job did a great job so uh, yeah look I, you know the market is the market at the moment i i I, uh, that was a profound statement. It was very profound. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this on the way in and talking to Yona about it. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on with the, with the pace of transactions. Okay. Is this more the summer track? If those pull down, real talk with Keith Smith and pull down the, mar- uh, the market tab, I've got a 20-year running quarter over quarter uh, graph there shows you know where the months are up and down. I, I, this feels a little bit more like a normal summer pre-pandemic. A um, lot of people taking vacations. I'll tell you one thing. You know, the airports were slammed, uh, planes were slammed, so people are out traveling and and doing stuff. So maybe that's a little bit of what's what's going on. And I'm anxious to see what September 
brings us as far as activity goes. But at the moment, you know, we're, we're, we're down substantially. I was taking a look at... Down uh, substantially, put it in perspective. Folks so, coming in with comments. Lonnie Murray, this is up your alley. John at Pro Renata, up your alley. Georgia Gilmer, this is up your alley. Kevin Higgins, James Watson, Spencer Pushard, right up your alley. Rob Hubbard, jump in the conversation. Rob, we appreciate your perspective. Keith Smith, the show is yours. So I'm just uh, looking at the last seven days versus the same last seven days. Um, hold on one second, please. The last seven days a month ago. We've got 59 pending. A month ago is 85. So basically, same week, a month ago, there was 85 went into pending, and only 59 went into pending now. So I, I don't know if that's just everybody taking a summer break, everybody going on vacation. For the agents that are listening, I mean, what are you seeing out there? That's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. Um, but, you know, the news coming on, the new units coming on, a month ago, same week was 56, now it's 64. So we're, we're upticking just a little bit, not a lot, but just a little bit in inventory, and I, that may be just a week-over-week week fluctuation. But I found interesting when I looked at this this morning is that we, and I didn't do the percentage difference, but, you know, we are now at 59 in pending in 85 uh, the same week a month ago. The other thing that was uh, I found interesting, though, is the solds, the things that actually close are exactly the same, 78 for the same, same much. So I just, it just feels like everybody's taking a little bit of time off in July, maybe taking a little time off. Maybe they're going to the beach for 10 days on it, which I'm so happy for you doing. I, I can't tell you I'm excited, how excited I am. Got another one coming up in October. I got another one coming in October. So uh, Smith will be by himself. I'm just giving you, giving you plenty of heads up here. <laughs> After, so, uh, what, yeah, 15 years yeah, yeah. of being self-employed um, and working the, the hours we do, it's time to enjoy a little R&R. And you know this because I've texted you personally, and I'm going to say it publicly. I can't tell you how happy I am for you to Thank you. Thank it's going to put a little extra pressure on me, and, and I'm so used to our chemistry, uh, but I'm, I'm going to do it. We're going to get it done, and this is going to be awesome, and we're going to have some great roundtables and bring a bunch of agents. We're going to fill these chairs up and and have, a, have some good conversation. 30-year fixed um, interest, 30-year fixed mortgage, good credit, over seven. Yeah, I Not close to seven, fairly over seven yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I, man, I, and that's really a conversation with Scott on Wednesday, but, you know, I've attended a bunch of seminars, online seminars. I've mentioned this in previous shows with, you know, some heavy hitters, stir event, Yoon, so forth and so on. Everybody is predicting what Scott's saying. That the beginning of, some are saying the end of this year, and some are saying the beginning of next year, interest rates are going to start dropping down. I think they're trying to tie that to what the Fed's going to do, and everybody's thinking the Fed is going to start doing something in the beginning of next year, maybe re reducing it. A little caveat to that, these are the same people that said we were never going to get to seven. The same people that were very, very wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and, and I, to quote Jonah Smith, I don't want to be holier than the Pope. I've surely made some predictions that have not happened. Uh, but I think we have some pretty good success rate in, in our predictions on it. Uh, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm going to lean towards what Scott's saying. I think you're going to see the 30-year come down. We've been talking about this nonstop. But what the hell is that going to do to the market? I don't think anybody really knows. We, we can 
surely guess, guesstimate on it. Um, you know, some people say it's going to bring more product on, some people's not. I'll tell you what's really taken an effect on the market, and kudos to you. Um, what do you think, Ray Cadell? Because you've been on this topic for a while. That 3%, sub 3%, is really hurt the market. Um, actually, when John back- Blair first put this on my radar, John, you remember when you made this comment? Well, actually, we talked about this about a year, year and a half ago, because I went back and looked at the shows when I was out west. We talked about that, that I, we kept on predicting, saying, don't get used to the 3%. This is not a good thing. I don't think we actually predicted that it's going to have a negative impact on the market. We were more taking it from the approach of the buyers. Don't get used to this. This isn't normal, which they did, right? But I, 2.75, I, 2.5, 3.0, anything under 4 So that's is a, throttling inventory right now on the market. Yeah, but that's a, you know, We'll break out the crystal balls, right? The 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 folks that prognosticate this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Did I do that right? Yeah, you did um, that. This is a a component of the of the analysis that we've never had. And most people in recent when was the last time we had three percent, four percent? It was it was never, right? Before my time of purchasing real estate. I can tell you most of the people that are listening to this... I've never seen it. Uh, I, I've, to include Ray Cadell. I don't... Ray Cadell... Ray Cadell, you ever in. seen it? I, I've never seen it in 37 years of... of, of do, or 35 years of doing this. Um, I think you need to go back way further than that. So, f- so the people that are trying to project what's going forward, to include us, this is a factor that's never been in the calculus before. Uh, so it's really kind of really hurting it. So you've got that. You've got your stuff I talk about, you know, till I'm blue in the face, red tape into green tape. And we'll talk a little bit about a couple of projects I saw out in in Seattle that that was somewhat positive on it, right? We've got interest rates that, that jumped up. And at the moment, we're kind of just treading water, I think, a little bit on, on the market. I still, I'm kind of holding... To I think we're going to be somewhere between thirty to forty percent off year over year. I have, it's just at the moment it's looking that way. We'll know once we start getting obviously. You know, I hate when when uh, economists say, "Well, when we get closer to the fourth quarter, we'll know." Well, at that point, that's just a matter of math, right? But I think that's where we're going to be at at this point. Um, questions coming in fast and furious. Um, this is a very good one from Grayson. Thank you for hey, watching Grayson. the program. Lives in North Downtown. Um, He said, you guys have been consistent with your message about the low interest rates and those that have those rates being unwilling to list their homes to capitalize on the equity that they have accrued. Um, Well, there's there's a second part to that. Okay. It's unwilling to. The other part of it, which I've been reading a bunch of articles about, and I think it's something you trying to tap into, and I'm just going to grow on it a little bit. There's a growing frustration out there that they can't move. It's a weird dynamic, right? I need to move, right? I got a second kid or third kid or whatever it is, and I need to move, or Keith and Yona want to downsize into something, and I can't because I'm not going to move to 7%, right? Right. So I'm stuck where I'm at. I don't so, know if stuck is the, what oh, it is. Oh, no, I tell you what. There's, there's, 
there's some some NAR's been putting out some statistical data based on some surveys. That's kind of the there's two sentiments going on. One, I'm stuck. One, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm not moving, right? And there there is this stuck concept out there. Why? Well, that's not how I asked you to do the email, Judah. Please follow the directions that I outline for you. Thank you in advance. Um, I'll throw this to you. I don't think it's stuck. I think it's folks that are just following basic arithmetic. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Uh, most people buy by emotions, right? Their, their needs to do something, right? That they need, or sell. They need to sell. They need to buy, right? You know, my parents are aging out of their home, right? So, you know, that's a whole different dynamic, a whole different conversation. But, uh, you know, where are they going to go? They're, they're blessed. That, we're blessed that they can come with us, right? But, you know, if they're going to sell their house and they have to buy because prices are, are climbing, particularly single family, uh, you know, or townhomes with master bedroom, excuse me, primary suites on the, quote myself on that, primary suites on, on the, uh, uh, see, if Yvonne was here, she'd be kicking me under, she the, would. Table, under the table. Is she watching? Uh, my hope is they're moving in because they're literally. Not watching right now. She's literally driving from Dulles Airport to, to Richmond to, to, to move in. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's a. Good morning, uh, Kevin Yancey. It's a I feel I'm stuck scenario on it. It's not a math. For a certain amount of people, it's not a math problem. Certain people it is, right? I'm not going to do this because of the math. Well, they're blessed that they can do that. Hey, look, I'll just stay put. But the people that have to move, and there are a ton of them, and, and I can take a few minutes and dig up. Neil Williamson giving you an AARP jab right there, your trip to the West Coast. <laughs> I've got a card, too. You want to see it? You're looking spry, though. Oh, thank you. Thank How you. did the bike ride go? Would you, did you feel challenged? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, Most I, challenging bike ride you ever did? Oh, it was the longest I've ever done. I've, I've, the longest I ever did was uh, 80. I did a 100-miler was my longest. But these were two back-to-backs. Here's the deal. Here's Smith shows up to Seattle. Instead of being 71 degrees and no humidity, it's 95 degrees, no clouds, as they refer to it out there, big sun. Right. I saw Lloyd highlighted that on your Facebook page. And it was nothing but big sun. Uh, and uh, the first 150 miles wasn't so bad. The last 50 miles were brutal. Uh, it, was just, it was just brutal. But uh, I would, I, I'm looking forward to doing it again. I'll never do it again alone, though. It's a lonely... How long did that take? Uh, so first day... so. It was two six-hour, six, six-and-a-half-hour rides. Six-and-a-half hours day one. They overnight you in a local community college, which was really cool. Um, and then the second day is that there's, there's out of 6,000 people, just to put it in perspective, 25%, which is roughly 150 of them, do it in one day. So Fiona goes, you're going to do it in one day? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Soon. I'm pretty sure my poor little ass couldn't handle <laughs> Is it the seat or is it the cushion on the padding? Uh, this is a family show. I'm not sure if I can go there with this. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I'll tell you what. I, I learned a lesson. 
So I finished the first ride, first day, and it's, it was, this, this was mid-90s, and this is Pacific Northwest, so this ain't flat. Um, I made the mistake of washing my biking shorts after the first day, and there's little chamois in it for the tush that didn't dry. The second day was 105 miles. Ooh. Put two and two together. Got a little chaffage. A little bit. A little chaffage. Well, you look good, man. Mile 25 into it. I how, many, how much weight did you lose? I mean, you certainly lost water weight, right? <clears throat> no, I had a really smart hydration plan. Okay. That's one of the great things about having a Division One athlete in your family uh-huh. and a doctor. They mapped out a hydration plan for me. Oh, uh, Kevin Yancey, too much information right there. <laughs> TMI. God, Kevin Yancey on my post. Kevin, I thought I navigated that well. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't. You're 100% right, Kevin, but TMI. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think I didn't, wasn't very specific. Comments on my personal Facebook page, Kevin. I, but you're right, though, Kev. You're 100% right. That was too much information? No, what Kevin put was too much information in the comment section. I mean, moderate. Oh, God. Well. Anyway, um, I would do it again, but I would not do it by myself. It is, um, it's a very, for those who run races, physical like marathons and half marathons, it's a little bit different because you're running and you're next to people and you can communicate. When you're on a bike doing between 15 and 30 miles an hour, you know, and you're in a, you're in a train, right, you, you, you know, it, it, you don't really communicate too much with people. You're just trying to keep your pace up and all that stuff but it was good so keith smith what this is the challenge what you want me to do 206 That's how you want are me to we do? gonna do how are we gonna generate more inventory in this market for home sales and to keep the market moving forward so i think you got green county coming with a lot of inventory neil williamson highlighted this now up to the green county board of supervisors this was the topic of friday's show Outside of Greene County, I'm not seeing any jurisdiction in Central Virginia with any kind of substantial new inventory in the pipeline. How do we fix this? That sounds like the last couple of years of the show. Uh, yeah, well, I know Greene County well, so I have to be a little bit careful because I'm somewhat connected to that project. Neil has said we suggest Neil's suggestion is com- uh, converting commercial to residential. Yeah, that came up in the in the. Albemarle County. Um, I've heard from people after yeah. Neil's show, yeah. some of them may or may not be watching right now, who said that the likelihood of converting, uh, converting commercial to residential, even if it's in the 5% developmental area, is very unrealistic. Nah, it's not going to happen. And why it's unrealistic is because of the substantial cost of the conversion and because there's still potentially a need for affordable commercial, retail, and office space so, in Albemarle so County. To add context to that, that came up in the Albemarle County um, um, developer incentive conversation, which I moderated, and that actually came from Stanley Martin folks, Stanley Martin Homes folks. That's more common, like, it, that'll work in Danville, Richmond, areas that, that have, have maybe depressed commercial areas, or warehouse areas or industrial areas to convert them. That's, that's what you're seeing in Richmond. That's what you're seeing, in, I think, in Danville, what I saw in Danville anyway. We don't have that here, right? We just don't have that kind of, you know, 
square, many, 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 many square blocks of of commercial or industrial that just isn't anything happening. And you're seeing that, like particularly um, in in um, I can get this out in Richmond. I've forgotten the name of the neighborhood, but it's where all the breweries are popping up. Oh, Scott's Edition. There you go, Scott's yeah. Edition. Thank you. Uh, so what they're doing out in Scott's Edition is they're doing these live, work, play scenarios where they're where they're converting commercial space into apartments, into townhomes, uh, not multi, uh, single family, along with the commercial and the brewery. So it's a you know you can work there and and live there and and play there. If you need that kind of configuration to make that concept work, we don't have that here. We you don't see that on any of the shopping centers on 29. Nah. Yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't see it for many reasons. Uh, primarily, most of those shopping centers are carved up, as you know, into multiple parcels and multiple owners. It's just a cluster. You know what to go ahead and do it. So it's just so many different pieces of the puzzle that just aren't isn't going to come together to make it work. It's the rubber band effect, right? It's going to be green. It's going to be Kevin Yancey's stomping grounds on the other side of the hill. It is not going to be Fulvana for a long time, right? It's probably not going to be Louisa anymore. It's Why not Louisa anymore? Uh, same kind of politics happening in Louisa, you know? And then it's not going to happen in Nelson County because it's too difficult to develop. They want it. It's just the infrastructure isn't there. The topographical layout isn't there. So at the moment, you're looking at green. You're looking at on the other side of the hill as far as new construction goes. And my hope is through this uh, Albemarle County Developer Incentive Program, Neil would comment more on that. He's commenting. On that. Um, might move Albemarle County's needle in the right direction. I can tell you at the developer incentive thing, I believe Neil brought it up, if not somebody else did. I mean, it was brought up growing to 5%. And it was a lot of time talked about that in this developer incentive program with with that budget. I interviewed TJ Fadley, who's running for the uh, the Board of Supervisors seat in the Rivanna District. He's being challenged, or he's challenging, excuse me, the incumbent B. Lapisto currently. Uh, TJ Fadley indicated that he was open-minded to expanding the 5% developmental area. Yeah. Mike Pruitt has indicated he's in favor of expanding the 5%, the developmental area. Pruitt's running unopposed in the Scottsville District. We had him on the I Love Seville show last week. However, the roadblock that both T.J. Fadley, Fadley, if he's um, fortunate to be elected, Mike Pruitt looks like he will be elected, is you need to get to four on the Board of Supervisors for uh, anything to be approved or changed. So you've got a better chance of that happening if the developer incentive program is, if if everything is in place Uh for it, then I think you can get the other support for it. I really do. But you've got to have the tools tools in place. Now, the question becomes, um, is it... Neil Williamson says, one thing required to achieve commercial to residential is a willing property owner. Yeah. Based on my local confidential discussions, there are several such property owners in Almoral County. Thank you, Neil, for that knowledge. Good. I also followed up um, with some folks after the show on Friday. And I think the folks are not um, unopposed, the commercial owners that I know, to consider a residential conversion. But the two I spoke with who are substantial commercial owners, um, one of them I see on the regular um, over at Boar's Head was um, a 
tax incentive to do this. Yeah. That if I'm going to consider something like yeah. this, I need ridiculous so, amounts so of incentives bad. up front. So and they also said to me that the obscene cost of doing this um, is something that policymakers have no idea how much this would actually cost us to go commercial to residential. It would, it would be more to my advantage, exact words, to just leave the property vacant and take the write-off. Yeah, sure. So the, back to my comment about this is a matter of how Albemarle County takes what we started with this developer incentive program, which includes everything we're talking about, red turning red tape into green tape, and tax incentives, so forth and so on, all the way down down the list. If they can get that all in order, in a red, and you know, I I would love Neil's opinion. I haven't had a chance. He's to speak, watching. Uh, haven't had a chance to speak with Neil directly about how he thought it went. I thought it went well. I, I think it went better than I think everybody expected. But one of the takeaways and one of the aha moments on this, Jerry, was <clears throat> when a couple of the four, even the nonprofits and the for-profit providers started working through numbers, right? And you could see the staff, the elected officials, and some of the other folks in the room's eyes just light up, right? And how much it actually costs to go ahead and achieve these, to, to navigate these projects from time, uh, to development costs. There was a great conversation from um, um, Keith Alexander. Was it Keith? Was it Keith Alexander with Southern Development? I think I might have his name, his last name wrong. Um, but, and a couple other folks in there, when they were talking about, okay, what does it cost to actually produce a lot for a single-family detached or townhome? Keith Lancaster? Lancaster, thank you. Um, to to actually do that, which was a, anywhere between seventy five to one hundred thousand dollars, and that doesn't include the land, that doesn't include the soft costs, that doesn't include red tape, that doesn't include carrying costs. That's just the actual construction of it to 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 to, to produce it. A um, the horizontal cost is what we call it on that. So when you start multiplying all this stuff, that's the reason why new construction is at what it's at. This is the interesting tidbit that was shared to me that I wanted to share to the viewers and listeners that I was encouraged to share on the talk show by the commercial owners. The commercial owners, we're talking folks that own hundreds of millions of dollars sure. in this community. They listen to the talk show sure. and they offer feedback to me via text or in person when we're swinging rackets and they literally have said, you need to tell your listeners that unless we're significantly incentivized with tax advantages, tax incentives, we will not do this because it's to our advantage. Well, it's more than that. To leave it yeah. empty sure. versus trying to develop it. Sure, sure. Uh, it, 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 it's a write-off. Yeah. They have, they're making this amount of money here, and they need to lose this amount of money there. It's to and, our advantage. Yeah, sure. That's why a lot of folks that are super deep-pocketed are investing in two restaurants. You get the vanity play, but you also get the write-off opportunity. Yeah. I know so, a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> Emphasizing this per their request, yeah. unless we're significantly yeah. incentivized yeah. with tax advantages, well, we are than, not going to do more this. than tax. That's only one part of it. The, the, so the, I sent out an email to a bunch of folks, and I, 
BCC you on it, Jerry. Um, so there's a couple of projects, and this is more of this missing middle conversation that that I was indirectly and directly involved with out in Seattle and Portland. I wanted to part of my trip out there was to tour some of these units. So it's very interesting. They used uh, Mayor Snook's ratcheting up philosophy, right? Started slow and started ratcheting up the incentives as four or five years went on. And everybody I spoke to over there said, you know what, they should have turned that dial up high because now at this point they've, they're, they're utilizing all their incentive possibilities that they've created and now it's starting to make a difference. But there was five years of time that they lost. But what they do out there, if you meet certain criteria, right, in this case if you're 50% or more 80% AMI, right, so if you're providing 50% of your units for 80% uh, area median income or lower, they expedite the review process, like six months or less. That's significant. It's freaking huge. Yeah, that's huge because the market doesn't change. So I want to be clear about this. We're talking about not a rezoning process, right? Rezoning process is a political process. The project that's going through Greene County right now is a rezoning. It's a it's a political process. Once that's complete, then it goes through the site plan process, which is a which is a an administrative process, for lack of a, a better term. You have to check all these boxes. So when you have a project that just just the site plan portion of it takes years to get through the process versus six months, that the carrying cost alone is a substantial. So if you can get them tax incentives, if you can get them to go ahead and get turn red tape into green tape on that end of it, and there's going to have to be some other subsidies from land trust and different scenarios to, to, to round it out, you'll start seeing some product coming in the ground. Your commercial folks will go, hmm, I'm getting this kind of write-off over here, but if I get all this stuff over here, my long-term play is better than my short-term play of tax result. For them, you know. Neil Williamson watching, he says, Boston, Massachusetts just announced tax incentives for this change for the commercial broker, for the uh, commercial yeah. owners to incentivize them. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. I would encourage everyone to go to the Free Enterprise Forum, the Free Enterprise well, why Forum Why does that website. make sense? Why does well, that make sense, Jerry? Why does it make sense to take, pick, pick a, Pick a, um, uh, 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 it's a commercial area that you want. Albemarle Square? I mean, yeah. Route 29, any of those? Let's say Albemarle Square. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Seminole Square is being converted by Great Eastern Management now. They were at, they were at the round table, yeah. the square table. I, I had a conversation say. with a um, friend of the program, John Neal, about this um, last week. Um, you know, about well, a, another project we're working on. So let's take Albemarle Square just for, for a case study. Please. So why does that make sense? Um, because it's empty. It's no, no, empty. No, no, no. It's close no, no. to transit. Yeah. It's in the 5% developmental go. area. It's in the development area. Yeah, it's by transit. It would not create urban sprawl. It's where the community is already in favor of density and bodies and cars. It's and amazing because... Infrastructure the, strain. It's amazing because the um, Stanley Martin folks at the round... Or the square table, because it wasn't round. The square table, it was amazing the opposition to that was zero. So so the public doesn't oppose it. Yeah. 
Right. Because this is already where density is. So yeah. the NIMBY mentality or the NIMBY mindset can't come out here. Well, it can, but... but, but it's already happening. But... They would have less of a foundation to stand on with their argument. So the comment of, I'm in favor of housing, but not next to me, goes away. Because there's already development there. The other big thing is all the, all the water, sewer, et cetera, infrastructure is already to the site, which is generally a big thing, right? You know, th that's one of the first things you want to start looking at when you start looking at a piece of – other than the zoning and all this stuff is, okay, how am I going to get my water and sewer? How am I going to get my fiber, right? How am I going to get all this stuff? Do we, does the jurisdictions have the case ca capability and the ca capability and the capacity to serve – what are the connection fees? So far, I mean, what do you think ballpark a conversion of resident, uh, commercial to residential would run? Price per square, north of three hundred a foot, easy. Oh no! So I'm looking at it completely different. How are you looking at it? I'm looking at Albemarle Square. I'm buying. Well, first of all, it's going to be a difficult purchase. A, it's going to be extremely expensive. Yeah. The acquisition. Let's assume. But, let's assume for the sake of a talk show. It's reasonable, and we can actually acquire it. Okay. Uh, I'd tear that building down. I just, I would level everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah okay. I'd start all over. Okay. I would, I would, I would, I, you know, I've been doing this long enough to know that when you try to put a round, a round peg in a square hole, it doesn't kind of work out so well. It's better to get a clean slate. Personally, I would level everything, that building. Everything on the site. Some of it I might keep. Who knows? On it, but I would start from a fresh piece of paper and design something right out of the ground that is more appealing. Maybe something more like. So that's good information right there from the distinguished gentleman. If this would happen, it would be first. No, 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 no. I mean, that's me. No, 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 no. I think you're right, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's. I, I've seen the cost in just small potatoes over here of yeah, taking yeah. a dental office and converting it to executive office space. Once these dudes tore down the drop ceiling and, and then took down the drywall, next thing you know, they're telling me, oh, you got some plumbing and you got some electrical. I can't even imagine that on a scale of an Almoral Square So what, it, what, it, what, it, what do I always say about renovation? If you think it's going to cost you a dollar, double it, and yeah. you, might be, you might get there. And you're still probably light. You're still probably light. Did that work out for you that way? Um, it was a little less than 2x the estimate. Okay. Yeah. So if you think it's a dollar, double it, you'll be good. And when building the business model, the rents escalate fifteen hundred a month. So that fifteen hundred a month, I anticipated me recuperating, recuper, getting the money back of what I spent in X period. It's going to be twice that long. Yeah. So, um, but still, I hedge my risk. Instead of having one tenant, I get six tenants. And the the other reason why you're going to want to start with a clean slate is. Density is key here, and it's going to be really hard to work around an existing structure on it. So that's just my... I think you're all over if, it, dude. If, it, if, it, if, if I was 25 years younger and wanting to get multi, multi, multi million dollars back in debt, that's what I would do. You'd buy, try to buy one of these. Well, I'd partner is what I'd partner, do. You'd raise some money. I'd partner with, with owners. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's an easy path forward. It, so basically, it's almost identical. What was uh, what was there before? Help me out here. What was there at Stonefield? Is it, is it before it was Stonefield? Oh man, help me out, viewers and listeners. I don't even know. Yeah, it, it was. I remember there was a 
I remember there was a um, 7-Eleven on the corner. That's that's the only thing I remember. But there was some existing uh, businesses there at, at the time that ended up being demolished and then get built up. So my vision would be something similar to Stonefield as re- reproduced over, let's say, in Albemarle Square. Little Personally, I, I would stay away from multifamily and I would start doing a mixture of, uh, much like Colonial Circle out in Fulvana, a mixture of apartments, single-family detached, um, single-family atta- attached townhomes. So similar to what's being proposed in Greene County? No, there's no commercial in Greene County. The Sandersville project has no commercial? I, I can tell you, I guarantee you there's none. So 500 homes of mixed building type, single-family residential and townhomes in Sandersville. You're right. I see it in Keith's article, or uh, in Neil's article on Free Enterprise Forum right yeah. now. yeah. So there, there's not the, the theory behind that is it's connecting to an existing standardsville, which will then help support that little thing about that project. Just so that you know, the buy right use is also 500 units. So the project is just trying to uh, capitalize on better development and have more open space instead of uh, wholesale developing 200 acres and clearing it and and going up. Uh, Kevin says you had a blockbuster there, a 7-Eleven, a laundromat, and a car wash. That's right. And there was some raw land, he says, owned by Northrop Grunman. That's right. Over there. Good memory, Kevin Yancey. Yeah. So um, it wasn't fully developed like Albemarle Square, but there was commercial. So that's what ultimately I think would happen. But, you know, the acquisition number on that would be, you know, off. You just the math would never work. Well, to put it in perspective, um, Ivy Square Shopping Center sold to UVA for twenty-two million, and I think we're both in agreement that Albemarle Square is going to trade at a much higher number well, than the twenty-two million Ivy Square well, traded for. I love Fred and the guys at the foundation, but they didn't do the market any favor by doing well. The overpaying. twenty-two million in Ivy Square, which they overpaid, is a comp. That's for any that, other shopping center to trade at. And that's what happens. And Albemarle Square Shopping Center is going to trade at a much higher price point than that's Ivy Square. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. So whoever, if, if this idea, and we're spitballing for the sake of a talk show, if Albemarle Square was purchased by somebody for a residential conversion, they would pay a hell of a lot of money. Either that or you, you need to make it. Do a JV up. with Albemarle County. Or a JV with the current property owner so that the long-term fiscal impact for that individual is pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, but that's the difference. When you start looking at like Richmond and you start looking at uh, Danville, these areas, these, these old abandoned um, strip malls, right? The folks are just looking to get rid of them because the tax liability is, is killing them Right, and they're not maybe getting the write-offs that Almar Square might be getting or capitalizing. So they're they're incentivized by the market to get rid of them. Now, as you put a couple of them in the ground out there, all of a sudden the one that Jerry owns that is not doing so good is now worth a lot more, like the UVA thing. Right, right. All of a sudden it goes up. But um, the, generally, the, he who gets in there first, or she who gets in there first. Um, gets a better deal. So you don't see the commercial to residential conversion as a legitimate path for residential inventory to come to the market? No, legitimate's the wrong word. It's legitimate. 
Okay, it you don't see it realistic. Realistically, I don't see it happening. Okay. I think it's a great conversation for around a square table. A talk I think it's show, a great yeah. conversation for a talk show. I think it's a great education process to talk to help folks understand the process through it. But is it going to happen? Probably not. Michael Plecker, we'll get to your comment here in a matter of moments. This is a question that's a very good one from Jonathan Galasso. Uh, with the commercial to residential conversion, one aspect that's not being highlighted is a lot of these buildings would have apartments within them that do not have windows. How are you going to rent an apartment that does not have windows? And by the letter of the law, is that even an apartment? Well, first of all, if you don't have a form of egress, it's, you can't. You can't. Right. Yeah. So who's this now? Jonathan Galassa. Hey, Jonathan. Yeah. So he's basically saying if you take this building and you build a bunch of micro apartments in it, there's only windows on the front and windows on the back. Well, what would you do with the interior? So this goes back to the upzoning in the middle scenario, which I'll answer here in a minute. But Jonathan, you know, what will happen in situations like this is they'll just level everything. They'll just, whatever existing structures there, they'll level it. They're buying the land. They're buying the, the traffic, you know, the ability to get in and out of it. They're buying the water and sewer connection. That, that's ultimately what is going to happen. But you're making my point for me on why I, I you know, Neil said this, and I'll, I'll quote him, the, miss, the missing middle, the upzoning in the city of Charlottesville is going to take a long time. It's going to be like one, one lot at a time, very slow, drawn-out process, mainly because Mayor Snook is going to ratchet up the incentives, and once those incentives get fully ratcheted up, you'll see that picking up a little bit. But one of the things that they ran out to out west and Minneapolis and some of these other places that they're trying to do this, if you take a single-family detached home, right, and you cut it into two units or four units, now all of a sudden you've got to comply with the new building codes. I've mentioned this numerous times on the show, right? You've got to have egress. You've got to have two-hour fire separation on all sides, right, on, on that end of it. You've got to have ADA requirements. All these things start kicking in, which then becomes awfully expensive. So what they did out Seattle in my daughter's old neighborhood is this developer bought an empty lot and a home, tore the home down, combined the two lots and put six units on this, on these two particular lots. 50% of them are 80% area medium income below. They partnered with a land trust out there, which I helped organize a little bit on it. Uh, so that worked on the end of it, required a ton of subsidy from the city, by the way, ton of subsidy, like all the connection fees paid, not, not having to be paid, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> tax incentives as long as there was 80% AMI there. So that was never going away. You know, just a bunch of different incentives plus cash. Um, this one's coming the feed from Spencer Friedman. And he says, I work in the commercial sector, as Jerry knows. The Almaro Square project that you guys were talking about would be north of $200 million easy. Oh, yeah, sure. Easy, I, I, over $200 million. I, I think $200 million. Just it's probably the, light. I think $200 million just on the development side. That's not including the acquisition. That's probably a three to $400 million project. That's, that you know, but it's and how long do you think something like that would take? Oh, years and years and years. Total value right now. This is just assessed value on the Almaro GIS. 
assessed value on the Almoro GIS is over 18 million for Almoro Square. Yeah, that's and that's okay. way light. Yeah. Especially after the Ivy Square 22 million yeah. UVA. And then you got to navigate the existing tenants, getting them out. It's it's a very complicated process. Where where these conversions work well. Ah, and they also say there's more than uh, there's a couple of owners here. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, that's the, I, we just picked it as an All example, right, talking point. As a talking point, that happens to be one of the things that are cut up into different owners and different parcels. It's much like um, fashion square, fashion square. Excuse me. Uh, 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 sorry, thought I slide. I like that. that. <laughs> I slide that. Sean Tubbs has got some news on the Home Depot. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Bill McChesney um, re- references the Stanton, Virginia mall that was demolished except for the Belk for a potential residential housing affordability project. Where that this projects are going to work well is where there's an, ex- uh, an existing, vacant, abandoned, whatever terminology you want to use, commercial area, strip mall, resident. And, and, that, and that may be more of a reality, right? Because... Right on the commercial front, retail's kind of soft, right? I'd say retail's soft. Right? Is that a fair statement? I think that's a fair statement. Executive suites are not soft. Executive office space, my business is not. Is not soft. Class A, sexy Class A with long-term leases are soft. I mean, you saw while you were gone. Industrial is needed. Oh, my God. Find someone who... Yeah. Industrial in Almaro yeah. County or the city of Charlottesville is impossible. I've got a couple of 1031 clients that are looking to do that, and it just doesn't exist. I was chatting with... We're um, going outside this. We're actually going down to Virginia Beach and all that stuff to, to help them there. I was chatting with a, a name that you would know, Steve Houchins. Oh, yeah, Steve. You know Steve? Mm-hmm. We had a conversation about uh, industrial and finding any kind of industrial or warehouse space in Almaro County or the city of Charlottesville. Basically said, good luck. Well, so so that's you know it's, it's, so it's a, Waynesboro's where it's at, and he's got a little bit, a little bit in that Fluvanna Zion's Crossroads yeah, they border. Are. Just a little bit, not a lot, but not a, little, a lot, a little, little bit. Look, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's a two-sided coin. One of the reasons why our market is so good here, and our real estate market, and our economy, and why we are probably the second highest cost of living in the state of Virginia. It's because we're a university town. We're not an industrial town. We're not a we're not a Danville, right? Or Waynesboro, right? Waynesboro for decades was an industrial town. So you you know you could potentially go into these areas and do this commercial or industrial conversion, right? Uh, the area in Richmond that is doing all the Scott's edition, Scott edition was all industrial, right? And it's because it was close to 95 and 195, and it's just all these businesses just disappeared uh, because of the economy changed on it, COVID, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and now they're, they're turning into something new. They're being redeveloped or reimagined in it. We don't have that here. So it's a double-edged sword, man. You know, it's, our economy is pretty resilient here uh, because of UVA. And because of UVA, try to find something under three hundred thousand dollars to buy. It's a, it's a, yin and yang kind of thing. Um, I think uh, one of the most important undeveloped parcels of land in Charlottesville, Albemarle, the Urban Ring, 
is what Ludwig and Alan Kajin are sitting on with X Park. Yeah, well, there's an example of that. That's just, I mean, I'll just say And they it. know they got it. Yeah, and they don't have to move. They, they don't, don't have, have to, to do anything. Right. And they put an absorbent, super high price on it. And if somebody walks in and writes them a check, they'll sell it, right? The likelihood, and we talked about that when I came on the market, right? The likelihood of somebody writing a check for that number is pretty low. Let's see, I'm going to loop Nat. We'll get you the exact number yeah, here. Yeah, it's like... I, 14 million rings a bell. Oh, I, th- I think it's, it's... Maybe that's just one of the parcels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's even higher than that. It, it, it's, a, it's ridiculously expensive. And the problem with that is, is not only do you have a huge acquisition number, but it's really functioning well. Actually, as everybody knows, that's where our office is. It functions well. It operates well. So you would have to look at that and see if you can get a cap rate, if you can you capitalization rate just on the rents, that you got there and the purchase price, which is not, if the cap rate was 6% or 5%. 84 million yeah. asking price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the math. Ludwig and Allen listen to the show. Yeah, the math is, I mean. I, the I, two properties, the two uh, X parcels that are on the market for 84 million were assessed just shy of 20 million. Yeah. Well, that gives you an idea on what somebody's going to ask for Albemarle Square. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking 4X the yeah. assessment for X. I would, I would do between four to six times. Albemarle Square is probably what it's going to take to get it. Because you can make a legitimate argument that Albemarle Square is, is in a better location and position than X Park. Oh, 100%, 100% better. Yeah, because of the traffic. 100% better. Yeah. 100% better. Tell us why you see 100% better. Well, because, You're crushing it right now. Uh, um, Coffee's kicked in. Coffee's You're kicked. back. I'm back, yeah. The, 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 the managing a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a seven-month-old. This is way easier. <laughs> <laughs> this is your belly wave. Did that answer the question well yes, enough? Yes, it did. Um, repeat the question. because Why do you like Almora better than X? Because of the reasons I outlined. It's the infrastructure. It's the, the traffic network is there, right? It's the ability to do that. If you can take Albemarle Square and turn it into a, a real honest-to-goodness live-work-play scenario, right? You got something. You got something. Yeah. But you... It's gonna. What was the tax assessment on that? On uh, which one? The Almar Square. Almar. Did you have all the parcels? Uh, I do you? have Almar Square. The main parcel was eighteen million. Yeah, but there's more than. There's another one I'm seeing on the GIS. The GIS is about as clunky as a website as you can possibly yeah. use. Yeah. I don't understand why it's so clunky. Um, but it's the government made that. As that's I know that the primary one. Did I say that out loud? Yeah, you did say that out Damn. loud. But you're 100 percent right. That's what it is. The primary one is eighteen million. Let me see if I can get the other one, too. Yeah. I, I would imagine between the, the multiple parcels, you're probably around $25 million tax assessment. Let's see. The I other one is, I think that. you're 100% right. You're uh, about $22 million. Yeah, 25 I was close. Yeah. So $25 million times five is what? $25 million times five is a bone 20, is $125 million. Hundred and twenty five million acquisition. Yeah, I, I and then you're saying it would probably be a no, teardown. I'll tell you right now, if if I had a client call me to go ahead and do this, I would say I would be prepared to pay two hundred for that. Two hundred million off the rip. A ton of risk. Two hundred million off the rip and you're not gonna see a dollar back for how long? Oh years. Ten years. <laughs> see it depends on this, this is the problem with the commercial to residential conversion. Well, no, it's the... I mean, this is a problem. This is a headwind. But it's the same on anything. 
right? Acquisition of land is is expensive here, right? Acquisition for land is expensive here. And when you start doing acquisition, all your costs that your red tape, right, all the things that they make you do, this 25% or 24% to use the exact number uh, of new construction is red tape is the requirements for that. So you've got this acquisition number, which is huge. You've got this this red tape number, which is huge, right? And, and then you've got to put all this together and build something and, and go ahead and do the horizontal development, demolition, and all that stuff, and, and try to bring something to the market that is reasonably priced. It's reason why you don't have it. It's plain and simple as I can be on it. And I just don't know any of those things are going to fix anytime soon. And we're going to have this pressure. Our, our pendings may be 59 units for this week, but I can assure you there's a ton of buyers out there looking to buy and market is, 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 is moving. Kind of wrap it around a little bit. It's why you need a trusted advisor, why you need to pull down real talk with Keith Smith and tap into the partners that we have there because you're going to need skills now to get help clients sell and buy. RealtalkwithKeithSmith.com, RealtalkwithKeithSmith.com. Click the Partners tab. And it's and I'm, I haven't been in this seat in a week, so I haven't been this excited about real estate in a Doing week. Great. <laughs> um, I can tell. You're but excited. I'm excited about real estate because it, you got to almost said the S word. You got to have your stuff. That's the other S word. Are your stones? Is that what stuff you're saying? Stuff together. Okay. okay. You okay. got to have your stuff together. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to know how to navigate. You've got to be able to figure out a way to help a young couple who's moving from Seattle. This happens to be my daughter. You did it. And buy a home in Richmond that you're competing against 20 other folks. And how do you do that? How do you protect them? How do you get them in there? And how do you get them to the closing table is where it, the rubber meets the road on it. Uh, you know, so we shall, we shall see. I, I'm Did you pers- see the CFA uh, closing? Yeah, I, I saw that, yeah. Broke, broke that news? Yeah. Uh, um, what'd you make of that? Um, I got some feedback if you want me to start with that. You can start with the feedback because I've, I've, got, I've got family in the building, so I've got to figure out how I want to answer this. Okay. CFA is over $40 million into that project. Yeah. Over $40 million into the project. Acquisition from Martha Jefferson, plus the massive remodeling that they did, converting yep. from a hospital to office and space. that was, my God, 10 years ago, wasn't that it? That was, let's see, I'll give you the exact time. It's been their home since January 2014. Yep, so 10 years. Look at me, I'm catching my numbers right 915 now. East High Street, over 40 million, closer to 50 into that project. CFA sold it to Low High LLC, for $21,900,000, so low high get a steal. What does now, CFA do? Uh, CFA chartered uh, financial analysts. Um, they Let me are, get this straight. CFA yeah. put $41 million into something and sold it for $21 million. Did yeah. I get that right? You, you got that right. And what does CFA do? Um, they're in the financial analysis. Got it. Um, 
We're not throwing shade. <laughs> throwing shade. I'm just trying to add two and two together. That's um, I will throw this um, to Maybe you. That, that if you take a look at what they do, it's not real estate, by the way. It's not real estate. We know that. <laughs> we know that. Um, I'm choosing my words Am I carefully. I get myself into trouble choosing here? my words carefully here. A lot of Usually people, it's you doing it to I know, me. <laughs> I know. I know. There's a lot of folks that have the CFA distinction. Yeah, I know. We will give that. But a I lot less folks are pursuing the CFA distinction. Try that again. There's a lot less folks that are trying to have the CFA distinction associated with their name. And as less people pursue the CFA accreditization or distinction, whatever you want to call their it. Their model is decreasing. Their model is yeah. struggling. Chartered, chartered financial analysts, the CFA. Yeah. So if you Google, anyone should Google this, CFA, just Google CFA and news. Immediately, if you and they're leasing it back from forty-seven thousand square feet lease yeah, back. Yeah, uh, this is now smart move for high low. Oh, uh, low high LLC, brilliant, low, low high. yeah, brilliant, move. brilliant move. They got a steal here. I would love, and I'm I'm working on this um, to give you some more insight into the uh, the deal. This is what I'm concerned about. All right, this is what I'm concerned it's about. Interesting how that is going to compare to what UVA did. In Ivy, right? Because that—that's when UVA bought Ivy Square. They bought it at the top of the market. No, I, I get the that. literally top of the market. Yeah, but but that wasn't that far long ago, right? What was a couple years ago they bought it? Let's see if I, if I remember correctly. See if my see if my memory's doing any better. But it's an interesting dichotomy uh, uh, comparison. It's two different type of products, right? One is a Class A for sure, and the other is retail. So maybe you know that's something. Woody and I have been talking about bringing in, uh, Woody Fincham and I, about bringing in a commercial appraisal to have that conversation a little bit. So my suspicion is, you know, there's a different valuation for retail than there is for Class A space. But This is according to Sean Tubbs. UVA, um, the foundation, paid nearly 126% over the assessment for Ivy Square. It's a 2.77-acre parcel. We know Albemarle Square is way bigger than this. UVA Foundation paid 126 over the assessment. This goes to what Keith was saying about purchasing Albemarle Square and how that number might be $125 million to buy. I and, think it's way more than that. Yeah, you think it's closer to two. Well, it has, you have to, to quote Neil Williamson, you have to have a ready, willing, and motivated seller. I can tell you $125 million is not going to motivate that seller. 200 might. 125 definitely won't. It just won't. It's cheaper for him just to say. He would have done it already. Somebody would have. There's enough folks in the space in this town. That would have already offered. That would have already offered. That probably it. have offered. I'm sure. I, I, I'm going to keep my mouth shut, but I can assure you 125 isn't going to get it done. So now you got to do the math backwards. Sorry if I got you in trouble no, with CFA. That was good. That was good. Um, Michael, we'll get to your comment here in a matter of moments. So CFA leases back um, 47,000 square feet. You would imagine, and we're not pr- privy to all the details, that CFA got a sweetheart deal for that lease back. So it was maybe a quid, quid pro quo where you get a little discount on the purchase price. Well, the, the interesting part of that now, and we're getting into the weeds on this, is to take a, we'd love to take a look at that balance sheet. I think that's public record. 
It is because it's a public company. CFA Institute's balance sheet is it's yeah, but there's balance sheets and there's balance sheets. I mean, I'm looking at their annual reports right now. Yeah, yeah, but I would love to to take a look at the balance sheet for that particular project that building how much of it was cash that they use how much did they borrow did they borrow x amount and pay down my suspicion is their loan amount left on that was about 20 million is what my guess is so you think the sales price covers the debt that's out that's and then exactly. they get a sweetheart deal maybe on the lease back and the and the even and whatever the lease back the lease back is and oh by the way they get to write all the lease payments off right 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 and so, i and guys if you so, google so my cfa com- my comment about financial advisors is probably was just a joke but they probably that they probably i am sure they're very smart people and i am sure that they somebody did the math and went well hold it folks it's easier for us. And oh, by the way, uh, oh, the toilet don't work? Call the landlord. <laughs> call the landlord. Yeah, yeah. The HVAC don't work? Call the landlord, right? So, so there's some benefit, I'm sure, at the end of the balance, their balance sheet and their P&L statements. Uh, this is working out to be in their favor. Um, Kyle Irvin, hello. Welcome to the program. Your daughter's watching now. Hello. Yvonne. Yeah. Oh. Yvonne, hello. Welcome to the show. Yvonne, I got to ask this personal question. How did the dog do? Because they flew back with the dog. Yvonne, how did the dog do? Kathy Carpenter, Katie Pearl, Lisa Cuslow, Dean hey, Russell, Katie. Thomas Leroy. Welcome to the show. Sam McGrain, hello. Welcome to the program. We thank all the viewers and listeners that are watching the show. Kevin Higgins, we appreciate you. Bob Yarborough and Redfields. Olivia Branch, the Queen of Keswick. Welcome to the show. Carly Wagner, hello. Um, I'll throw this to you. Daily Progress wrote a story after we broke the news with the CFA Institute. Daily Progress reporter went over to CFA, talked to somebody. That person wanted to remain nameless. And this particular individual says, we may have one or two people come into our office, period. Yeah, without a doubt. One or two people, period. 47,000 square feet leased back CFA. And this particular person said, we're fortunate to have one or two people come in per week, period. And then the progress reporter in their reporting noticed that all the, many of the commuter screens had films of dust all over them. And it looked like the cubicles and the desks were not used in months. So I have family that work there, and they've been working remotely since the beginning of COVID. And in that environment, in that business, it's probably going to stay that way. It's an, it's an interesting scenario, right? Um, we've talked about this long ago during COVID that this, this work from home thing isn't going to stay 100% work from home. It's going to be some sort of hybrid. It's also going to depend on the industry, right? The, that industry probably can do that work from home better than some other industries, right? Or some other, some other businesses. But at the end of the day, they probably only need a third of that building, if that. So what they might do is executive office space you from go. yours truly, just to have some place to meet. I, I I I suspect again, this is just you know, you got a couple of spitballs we're throwing at yeah. each other, uh, for the take of a sake of a short talk show. What they might end up doing is reducing it's it's interesting. I just closed the deal at the beginning of the year in Richmond, a five point five million dollar commercial deal. Nice. Where the exact same thing happened, right? It was They've reduced their number of in-office staff. What they ended up doing was buying 
the, the my client bought the whole building from the landlord. There was a different scenario. They're using a third of it, and the two-thirds of it, they're turning it into other current models, right? Um, executives, dental Co-working, offices. Flex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead of one huge building being one company, this one building now is broken up into multiple companies. It's owned by one one company. So Very good stuff. So right that there. might be what's going on over there. They may be saying, okay, CFA, we're going to put you in this third of the building, and the rest of it we're going to start leasing out to other people. I love it. I love it. Keith Smith on fire. Carrying uh, that's the just show. a guess, guys. No, no, no. I think that's a great guess. I think that's a very good and guess. And I'm out of coffee. Michael Plecker wants us to touch on this as we close the program. Plecker says only a tenth of mortgages have an interest rate above 6%. And he says that's a big problem for the U.S. housing market. And he says the bottom line is that homeowners across America do not have any incentive to move. Unless they have to. One-tenth of mortgages in America, according to MarketWatch, have an interest rate above 6%. Michael yeah. Plecker says, please talk about this. Yeah, so um, Michael's 100% right. I saw that same stat. Um, I think it was in NAR or wherever it was. No, it was a Mortgage Brokers Association or whatever it was on that end of it. The, the, just like it took everybody used to getting used to the 3%, it became the norm, over time, this 6%, 4%, because I think we're going to start dropping below 5 about a year from now into it. We're going to get back to the normal 5 to 6 maybe 4% range, and the new normal is going to start settle. The, the old normal is going to become the new normal, settling back into it. But to my point earlier, the people that have the 3% that have to move, they got to move. People are moving... You know, what if they get relocated? What if they get laid off or something and they have to move or they have children or health, health situations or they want to be closer to grandkids or not closer to grandkids, move away from grandkids? Um, uh, you know, if I'm moving from a 3% and I've got to move to a 7 that hurts. And uh, so there's, there's this fear wrapped up in that too. So it's a, it's a dynamic in 35 years I've been in the business, I've never seen that. It's always the interest rates are always kind of been around this this point, unless you buy in 1988 and you pay 18%. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, and we need to keep close eye on it. Keith Smith, some closing thoughts. You carry the show. Oh, nah, no, I didn't. Um, flies by, doesn't it? It does. It feels, you know, look, the bottom line is uh, I haven't been in the seat for a week. It feels good to be back in the seat. I do miss it. I do miss miss having this conversation. Uh, I do miss having it with you in particular. Same. Uh, uh, but uh, everybody be a little patient with me next week. We're going to we're gonna have a bunch of roundtables and, uh, and uh, bring in some folks and have a great conversation. Do you think Mike Plecker's statement, if they drop to 4%, the floodgates will open, so have your buyers ready to go? You know, do you see them dropping a four? I think at five the floodgates are going to. You open. think they will open at five? I think they will open up at five. I I think I think when it's when it and I've not always been. I've always I have said on previous shows that it wasn't going to have a big impact, but I'm wrong. I think it will be, uh, based on all the conversations I'm having and listening to folks, particularly sellers. 
because I think what will happen is, is once this rate kind of gets into the normal rate, like five, over seven is a little on the steep side. When it starts dropping like below seven, when it starts creeping its way down towards six and below six, when it has a five in front of it, you're going to see sellers jumping off. And, and, I, and I just don't know where they're going to go right it's 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 so enjoy the pause right now folks if you're in the business now's the time to get your your fundamentals of how how to run your real estate business or how to be a realtor i did it right you did it right now's the time happy now's the time to do that because i think in the end of this year definitely the beginning of next year when these interest rates start creeping down, because they will, uh, and that's just to put a pin in that. Historically, we may not be in a normal recession, but we are in a recession, right? And historically, at the tail end of every recession, what comes down? The thirty-year fixed. And why does that happen? Is because the Fed takes their fingers off the scale, right? Either either flatten their rates or lower their rates down. The 30-year mortgage is a, you know, tied to the market. As the market feels better about it, rates will come down. Uh, now's the time to sharpen your skills, folks. So if you're out there doing the business, now's the time to sharpen skills. Keith Smith, Yes Realty Partners. He helps folks buy and sell real estate. He is a realtor. <laughs> Keith Smith, Yes Realty Partners. A guy I can I'm not trust, just a biker. A guy <laughs> I can a trust and you should trust to help you get to the finish line. Yes Realty Partners. Keith and Jonas Smith. Wednesday, you and I? Yeah. Uh, and Scott, right? And Scotty Moe. Yeah. Scott, Scott Moe. Morris. Scott Moe. And then Friday, you were, you were uh, I'm traveling. Out. I'm out for 10 days. Um, starting on Friday and back in the saddle August 6th. Man, I got to tell you, I can't tell you how happy I am for you. Thank you very really much. Am. Really Thank am. you very much. Judah Wickhauer is the director. The show archived at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. Click the Partners tab. And those are the folks that you can trust on to get you to the closing table and a home of your dreams. The I Love Seville show is up in 56 minutes and you don't want to miss that. Thank you kindly for joining us. So long, everybody. Keith, you were on point. Oh, thank you. On point. Took a couple of sips of